Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Before we get going with today's podcast, I just wanted to share a couple things with you. Number one, please check out the Football for All podcast. It's designed for your youth audience, but if you are the head football coach who really runs everything in your community. I think it'll be very helpful to you. It explains what we're doing with the football development model, as well as get some good perspective from different types of stakeholders, whether those be current or former NFL players, current high school, college, or NFL coaches, as well as parents and commissioners. It's really designed for that parent, commissioner, and coach group from your youth audience And I think it'd be helpful if you would push coaches that way. Also, as you get going here and the country opens up, I know getting your players in shape and getting them ready with some of the skills they need, like tackling, blocking, and defeating blocks are going to be important, but you're probably going to be limited as far as contact goes right now. Check out our contact system, which is designed for all those types of things. You won't see a single drill really with any helmet on, and there's very few drills where shoulder pads are required You could get those going now to really work on some of those skills and fundamentals and check out our advanced tackling system designed around the five fights. I think you'll really find that that's an excellent coaching system as well. Check those out at footballdevelopment.com. Here we go with today's podcast. Enjoy. On today's podcast, I'm joined by a former player, somebody who I actually known since he was in junior high. And uh, at the time I met him, he actually wasn't even a football player. So he's gone on to be a football player, played in college. Now he's a college football coach. And I'm excited to have him join me here on the podcast. And that's the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach at University of Finley, Kyle Orodzanski. Kyle, it's great to be talking ball with you. Yeah, happy to be here, man. So, Kyle, you have an interesting football journey, one that started with hockey. Because that pretty much, when I met you, that was the thing. You were a hockey player here to the point where when you started ninth grade, you went on to Culver Military Academy in in Indiana on a hockey scholarship. And coincidentally, in the fall, I guess you had nothing to do. So you went out for the football team and became the quarterback. Yeah, yeah. So, well, the story actually starts a little bit before that because – my dad was a high school football coach. And so the first time I went to two-a-days, I was six years old because that's when my mom would let me go. 
and so I was always around and, and, but I never played because it was more productive for me to go to practice with my dad. Well, seventh grade rolled around and I played seventh grade football and then didn't play in eighth because hockey conflicted with it. And I actually ended up going to Culver Military Academy because I could play hockey and football both at a very high level. The world of hockey is uh, is an interesting deal, but it it conflicts with football. The only way to do it was to do it through a uh, essentially a private school program. And your dad was was my defensive coordinator for a year when I was a head coach at Brush High School, and we you know from there we actually both had the opportunity to go on and and be assistants at Camp McKinley. I decided not to. I was trying to get closer to home, but you guys did. And immediately, you, you then, I think, transferred at that time after your ninth grade year, went to Canton McKinley and had the opportunity to compete for the quarterback job and won that right away as a sophomore. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I played at Culver and played there as a freshman and then, you know, went to – when my dad took the job at McKinley, it was like, this is a no-brainer. Like, I've loved football my entire life. Yeah, I loved hockey, but, you know, football was really the – the passion that I had had growing up. And so when a guy by the name of Ron Johnson took the head coaching job there and my dad was going with them, it was a no brainer to say, you know what, this whole, this whole hockey thing, this is really expensive. And this is, it is what it is. It stinks. It smells and it's cold. Right. So I, I decided that, yeah, the best thing for me to do was to go play football at one of the best high school football programs in the country. And anybody that's played for their dad knows that that's a extremely special experience, uh, one that I'll cherish for the rest of my life. Yeah, and I was able to keep close contact with you and your dad, and and Coach V was over there helping you guys too. And I, you know, I knew Ron too, so friends with all those guys, and you know, would visit over there frequently during like recruiting, and had the opportunity to see you play. Went to actually my first Maslin McKinley game was uh, it was at. Maslin, it was your sophomore year. I think you might have been playing with broken ribs. If not, there was a shot on you that came that might have broken them if they weren't already. But it was such a neat experience. I had never been to one of those games before. I've, I had heard about them. I watched, you know, the uh, the the documentary on Maslin football and, and saw all about that game, but actually had never experienced one till that day. And I'll tell you what, it was as incredible of a setting for football as, as any game I've ever been to. Well, first of all, I will always be a McKinley Bulldog through and through. So we, I got to correct you there. It's the McKinley Maslin game. It's not the Maslin McKinley game. <laughs> I can't help myself. But yeah, that that game is like nothing I've ever been a part of ever. I mean, I, you know, I, obviously I went on and played at Lafayette and uh, was part of the Lafayette Lehigh game and, and stuff like that. But that game is, is like nothing I've ever experienced in my entire life. And yes, I did have broken ribs going into that game, but no, I didn't feel them that the adrenaline at that point was through the roof. Yeah, such a a fun game to watch and uh, you know, just knowing a lot of people who were a part of it. And you know, you had some other great games. That one didn't go your way that day, but you guys had some other great games later down the line that did. But it became evident as I talked to your dad and, you know, we get to talk to you every now and then that really you were thinking about coaching as you, you were looking at college to the point of 
you know, what can I do at that level that would set me up to be a college coach later? That was like on your mind early on that you wanted to be a college football coach. I graduated early from high school for a couple of reasons. Obviously I wanted to enroll early in college, but I also knew that the hiring season in college football really is in, you know, December, January. So by graduating early from high school and enrolling early in college, that would put my graduation date in December, which would put me in a better position to go get my first GA job. And Lafayette, though, was was something that, you know, you moved on from there. You fortunately came to BW, where at the time I was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So I had the opportunity to work with you, and we, we had a lot of fun there. I can remember, you know, you getting ready and you had to come in and, you know, win the position. We were in a quarterback battle to start. Ryan O'Rourke, who was our quarterback, had had left from Avon, where you're from, and he graduated. And there were two other guys who got a little bit of time the year before and you had to compete with them. And so it it took some time. And I remember and this this was just kind of was a little bit cruel, but (laughs) remember your first opportunity in practice, you, you were going to get reps with the ones that particular day. And we were going into a position meeting or a team meeting. I'm sorry. And I pulled you out of the meeting for something. And it, I don't even know what I told you, if I told you what it was for. But I needed you to be out of the meeting because we set up the quarterback prank with the entire team and staff. About 180 people on the field that day knew about it except for you. And, and and it is on YouTube. I, I mean, I will put the YouTube link in our show notes because it's uh, it's still out there. I put it up there, but it was <laughs> just an example of some of the fun we had. But, you know, kind of cruel that that was actually your first rep with the ones that we did that. Well, I would expect nothing less from you. I, I do remember Kyle, and, and for those not familiar with the quarterback prank, basically Kyle went up, he called everything, you know, set everything the right way, went set hut, and on set hut, everybody in the stadium went to the ground, fell on the ground, and, you know, immediately Kyle turned around and said, where's Grabowski? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got me, though. It was a good one. It really was. But you did, you know, go on from there and and you played for us, started for us. Unfortunately, though, you did run into some injuries. And so your coaching started much earlier than you had planned. The entire college career was pretty much plagued with injuries. I mean, I did play nine games my first year at BW. I was hurt my first year at Lafayette. Didn't play my second year at Lafayette. Played nine games. Separated my shoulder in the third game my left shoulder. So still was able to play, just hurt. And then separated my right shoulder against Mount Union in game nine. And then senior year, I think it was the Monday before the first game, we are doing a ball security drill and I got spun around and somebody was ripping at the ball and spun around, foot stuck in the ground and the ankle decided to give away and broke my ankle and that was the end of it. But for you, that was... The beginning, I mean, you you were always, I mean, you were in my office probably too long. I told you many times, like, dude, don't you have to go to class? Like, don't you need to study for something? But you you looked at the game at a different level. I mean, you know, that was the one thing I could see in you right away that, yeah, this kid's definitely going to go on and be a coach. He 
not only does he understand our system, he understands defenses, he understands other systems, and your knowledge of the game was was definitely at a different level compared to, you know, all the guys that you were playing ball with. So it was pretty evident you were going to be a coach, and and I don't think you missed a beat. I mean, immediately you went from being a guy who got injured to someone who was going to step in and help the team and. You know, you were a part of game planning. You were part of film breakdown. You you essentially become became a GA your senior year. Yeah, it was. I was very fortunate actually when when you took another opportunity and left BW. When Mark Carney got there, I was very fortunate that Mark brought me along, kind of as his GA, and gave me a bunch of responsibility from you know, hey, drawing scout cards to breaking out film to charting things in the press box, sitting next to him while he's calling the game, because really I couldn't be on the field. I couldn't actually do anything on the field. I was on crutches. So I was very fortunate that Mark kind of took me under his wing a little bit and helped me out through that. So that was how the, the whole coaching thing really got started. So from there, you, you got your first GA opportunity and that was with a BW guy, guy who had coached with me there, I think was, was uh, prior to you coming there. I'm not. I'm not sure Tommy was there. I think he had already moved on to be the head coach at Ohio Wesleyan. But he would always grab our best guys from BW to go on and be uh, GAs or interns with him. And so you went on to uh, Ohio Ohio Wesleyan to coach and, and did a nice job there as well. Yeah, it was it was an awesome opportunity down there because Tom really let us get our feet wet and let us kind of. Trial by fire, I guess, would be the best way to put it. And, you know, looking back on it now, I made so many mistakes. I mean, I was running my own meetings. I was uh, coaching my own position, recruiting my own area. I made so many mistakes, but it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I got to learn, you know, what to do, what not to do. And honestly, it was an awesome opportunity that I had down there with Tom. And so from Ohio Wesleyan, then you moved on to – Finley. Yes, I did. It's crazy actually how that whole thing happened. The guy by the name of Corey Allen, which I, and I think you had Corey on here. Yep. So Corey had recruited Canton McKinley for a long time. And, you know, I spent a lot of time in the, in the coach's office at McKinley. Obviously that's where my dad was all the time. And, you know, that's where all my study halls were because we were watching film and doing all that kind of stuff. But so when, when Corey would come in to recruit, I got to know Corey and just kind of maintained a re- relationship with him. And it, you know, it's funny. Everybody always jokes about the the guy that's got his resume at the, the convention, the, the young kid trying to get into it. And I actually ran into Corey right before I took the job at Ohio Wesleyan down at the convention, my first convention. And I stopped him in a, in a coffee shop um, and actually handed him my resume. And he makes the joke. Now he folded it up put it in his back pocket and threw it away later. But, you know, that relationship actually started back when when we first got to McKinley and relationship had maintained and stuff like that. And then uh, they had posted, the University of Finley had posted a, a defensive line GA job. And I just wanted to move up, but I didn't care what position. And so I called Corey and I was going a million miles an hour. I'll do this. I'll do this. I don't care what position he finally gets on the phone and stops me and cuts me off. He goes, shut up. And he goes, we have a, we have a wide receivers GA job open. 
and we're not advertising it because I was going to call you later on today. So stop talking. Okay. But yeah, so I actually ended up interviewing later that day and accepted the job, I think two days later. And that was how that one happened. Now you're a full-time coach, passing game coordinator, quarterbacks coach at Finley, which would, I mean, for you, you know, I thought quarterbacks would be the best fit. Not that you couldn't coach any position on the field, but I mean, you have a, a ton of knowledge about the quarterbacks. And, and I did watch your virtual summit. I was really impressed with just the way you operate and, and how you um, train quarterbacks, the, the way you think about things and get them reps. I was really impressed with how you've put all that together. Yeah, it, it's it's really, for me, the number one thing that I think about when I'm thinking about, hey, what do our quarterbacks need to know? What do they need to do? The very first thing that I always revert back to is what was it like to be behind the mask pulling the trigger uh, in a game situation? And that's where I start everything from. Kyle, now that, you know, you're running your own room, you have the opportunity to, you know, coordinate at least half the offense with the passing game. And Corey talked about about you on the, the podcast and how you guys work together. So uh, I'll link that one. That one just aired a few days ago. But, you know, everything now that we've talked about your background, we talked about some of those influences. But as, as you look at where you are now as a coach, what things, I guess, had the greatest influence on you to – um, bring you to this point in your career? Well, you know, you start with my dad. That one, <laughs> give me a second here, because that, that's going to, that'll, that'll get emotional if I go too deep into it. But he really had a lot to do with the work ethic. Um, and for lack of a better term, getting yelled at. Um, because you know, what was I going to do? I was going to get yelled at by my dad and go complain to my mom. My mom was going to beat my butt even worse than my dad. So, um, but honestly with him, it was, it was a lot of, he, he had a big influence on work ethic, having thick skin, um, from that, that perspective, you know, and then taking it all the way to BW, you know, you talk about, one of the greatest things that I learned from you is not being afraid to push the envelope because, you know, back in 2013, we were doing a lot of stuff that is very trendy now in offensive football. Um, And it was a lot of stuff that you had just come up with on your own through studying a lot of different things from, you know, cognitive things that make people go and just a lot of different things with the brain. Um, so I learned a lot from you in terms of not being afraid to push the envelope. Um, and then, you know, when I got to Finley, I had the offensive coordinator here at the time was, uh, Troy Rothenbuehler. And, you know, one of the things that I, uh, I learned a lot of things from Troy, but, um, you know, one of the greatest things that I always took from Troy was he was so analytical about every single thing that we did. What if they do this? What if they do this? What if they do this? Uh, How am I, I need to give the kids all the answers. I need to make sure that they know what to do if this happens. Um, So Troy was very analytical with that. And, and the other part that Troy really taught me was 
how to how to word things, you know, so that um, you get your message across with the fewest amount of words possible, but it's the most impactful thing that you can say. Um, so Troy taught me a lot about that, um, you know, and then you talk about Corey and I, you know, just to give everybody some background, I mean, Corey's one of my best friends. Um, football, life, doesn't matter. Corey's absolutely one of my best friends ever. Um, and so to to say what Corey has done for me and, and helped influence me in my coaching career, I mean, you name it, he's helped with it. Um, but, I mean, from recruiting to game planning to – uh, passion, the communication. The, it, Corey's had a, a ton of influence on me and how I handle my daily business. Um, the, you name it, he's had a hand in it. And I know, Kyle, like watching, and I'll tell you, it was it was pretty neat to sit back and watch you. And I got a text from Coach Snell at the time, who was also in, in that room watching your uh, virtual clinic. Was He said, wow, Kyle's doing a good job. But um, I really liked how organized you are in the way you approach preparing your quarterbacks for game week. I think, you know, if you sat in that office with me and, and saw how miserly I was with reps, right? We only had a certain amount of reps. We had to be efficient with those reps. We had to be smart with what we were putting into a game plan. We had to look at uh, the opponent a certain way and, and not waste repetitions. And, and so, I was really impressed with the way that you went about organizing now your game week and uh, how it fits in together with, with all the things you do from the drills all the way through team. Um, I mean, you're not wasting a single rep. You're going to do things because they have a purpose. So talk to us a little bit about your approach to preparing the quarterback uh, week to week as, as you're in season. Well, you know, the, the most cliche, I guess, the most cliche analogy I can give you is if, and I love to play golf. I do. The most cliche example I can give you is if you look at some of the best golfers in the world, they have a process that they go through before they hit every single shot. Um, and so that is how I structured it for our quarterbacks, that they have a process that they're going to go through every single game week. Um, and certain steps are going to take longer than others, and they may be longer in certain weeks and shorter in others. Um, that's just the way it is. But by the end of that process, they should know their, the game plan that they're going to be executing on Saturday like the back of their hand. So if I give them a route combination, they can tell me the protection, they can tell me the formation that we're running it out of, and they can tell me the various adjustments that we have off of that for the week. But even deeper than that, they know – exactly what they should be getting in various field zones in various uh down and distances but it's all so that they can play as fast as humanly possible on saturdays um and so by going through that process um that we've talked about keith is it that's really what um what we try to hang our hat on with those guys so let's uh I guess you know, we, we're not going to get into the details that you did in a clinic, but I kind of want to walk through some of your thoughts and how 
you approach this. So the, let's start with a scouting report because every every week begins with that information, right? And uh, you know, I, I can remember those those. I included you as part of that that game planning scouting report. To me, it was important that you were comfortable with what we were going to put in, and it's something I've I I did with all our starting quarterbacks was to kind of include you in that and get get some thoughts as we were putting things together. But for you, it, it starts in the same place in the the scouting report, which you did talk about in your 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 coaches uh, summit, which also now is a, a course on um, coach two, but. You know, talk to us about how you put that together and what information you're going to be sure is in there every single week. Yeah, I mean, and really to get to the scouting report, you kind of got to back up just a little bit because on Sunday after a game, we bring the kids, we do the running, we do the lifting, we do the game review like a lot of people do, but we bring the kids back on Sunday evening to at least put the film on of the team that we're going to play. Cause we're, we, us as coaches, we're not at those lifts. Our, our strength coach handles the lifting and the running. Um, so we're at least familiar with, Hey, this is what they are from a base perspective. And our kids are very tuned into the fact that, that we have a, we have a base within our offense. So, and Corey talked about it in, in his talk about, you know, Hey, we have this many base, uh, runs, this may base quick game, so on and so forth. Um, so we put the film on and we kind of just have an open discussion and I'll lay out to them, hey, this is what their base is, okay? And so our kids are so tuned into our base that they're like, okay, so I know that we're going to be running this RPL. I know we're going to be running this quick game. I know we're going to – and so they're familiar with it by the time they leave on Sunday. Then on Monday, our quarterbacks, um, that, that is their mandatory NCAA off day, and we're in here watching through all the cut-ups and game planning. Um, but our quarterbacks pop in frequently um, to see what's going up on the game plan board, and they'll start to get an idea of, hey, this is where we're going. But then on Tuesday morning at 7 a.m., um, that's when we send out our scouting report, and that goes out to them via Google Sheets, just gets shared to them. Um, so in there, they're going to get a depth chart, uh, too deep with all the heights and weights. So they know the numbers and stuff like that as they're going through and continuing to watch film, they're going to get the base pre-snap looks of every coverage that the team plays, take the third downs and pull that out of it. Cause that's a whole nother conversation. And then they're going to get the base blitzes. And what they look like pre-snap, they're going to get the percentages of coverages and blitzes and fronts and all that kind of stuff um, in there. And for the most part, that is, that's reading material for them. I'm fortunate with our quarterbacks that I don't have to double check on them, um, that they're reading this or making sure they know the information because one of the things that, that I firmly believe in when it comes to recruiting quarterbacks is I recruit kids that are like me, that are football junkies. So they don't, they don't need to be checked up on because all they want is more information and they want to understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. So they go through that as reading material um, leading into the Tuesday install meeting, which is really when we start installing the game plan. So, Kyle, and I think that's an important part. I could totally see you 
Like those are going to be the kind of guys you recruit. You were a football junkie to the point where I'd have to kick you out of my office so I could get work done. But uh, I, I also like then, you know, for you, you go through that part of the process and, you know, you're going to start practice with individual and quarterbacks. I mean, you, you know, from at BW, I mean, you guys get pulled in a lot of different directions. You're going to have to work with a lot of different people. So getting that individual time has to be, you, you got to really look at that time and make sure that you're very efficient with it, that you get all the reps you, you need for the things that you're going to do. And uh, you spent some time talking specifically about some of your drills, whether that be the ball handling, the progression, your RPO drills. I really liked your approach to your individual period. Just talk us through, I guess, give us kind of that framework of things that you want to make sure you're going to accomplish during that time. Well, really, once we get into game week, you know, your basic your basic bag drills and your basic, uh, you know, throwing into a net or pocket movement stuff, that stuff is really – that stuff that we take care of, like, pre-practice or post-practice, um, because all of our practice time is so extremely valuable that every single thing that I do in an individual period – is game plan oriented. So, you know, hey, do we have speed option in this week? If we do, then you better believe that we're going to be working option pitch um, in an individual period. Hey, are we? do we have a bunch of, uh, you know, curl flat reads in this week, okay? I need to manufacture more reads of that curl flat defender than what he's going to get just in a base skellier team period. So, it's all geared towards getting him ready for his group periods. So then his group periods allow him to get more reps of things that he needs for the team period. So, for example, like you just alluded to the RPO period, well, RPOs are a heavy part of our game plan um and we run a lot of them on first and second down so for us i we need to make sure that that guy is getting as many reps of our rpos that we have in that week so that he's extremely productive when we when we get to a team period because you know and i know that we wish that we had you know nine hours of practice time but we don't and so how can I get him more reps during the week to make sure that he is ready for Saturday? So we're going to manufacture those reps in that RPO period or in a progression period or in a ball handle period to make sure that we're hitting on the, the nuances that are in for that week, right? Because if the, if the RPO read on, on, this various, on this specific RPO is different than his normal his base rpo read well then i gotta i gotta make sure that he has as many reps of that as humanly possible um so that he operates at a very high level on saturday so extending that into the team and especially looking at the passing game and how you're going to put your script together and you know you know you know how i would do mine and you know, we had a, a process for it. But for you, what, what's your process look like for how you're going to make sure you get the work you need 
for that game plan? So I guess let's start with this. Like for you, is there a certain amount of of passes you feel you could carry and get practice and make these guys efficient at? Admittedly, I don't have a certain amount that I'm going to carry on Tuesday. I'm going to test them and see how much I can carry. Um, because the way we end up doing it here is we end up carrying a lot of our, 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 you know, four, five, six base things, whether it be quick game, drop back, whatever we carry those. Um, but then we end up spending a lot of time on the things that we need to game plan for that week. So the way that we end up doing it um, is we will, the way we view our practice plan, I guess this would be the best way to explain it. Everything that we do is leading up to a quiz. Okay. And the quiz being the team period. So you start with your individual and you go to your group periods. And then we do a thing here. Um, that we call concept versus coverage, okay? So the wide receivers are running full-speed routes. We have a scout team out there. It's like a skelly period, but there's no balls being thrown. So then at any point in time, I can blow the whistle and stop the entire thing, and the kids are really tuned into this. So they stop right where they are or within a couple steps of where they were because obviously the receivers are running. Um, And it allows us to show the receivers and the quarterbacks how the routes fit together and let the receivers feel the timing and the fit of the route. So, okay, you may blow this whistle and say, Hey, look, I need to talk to the H here. Okay. He, Hey H you need to stem this this way because look at what's going on over here. All right. This is why this is so important. So now by doing that and explaining it to those guys and and showing them exactly what is going on, we can then transition that into our skelly period, which makes our skelly period that much more efficient. So we are able to maximize our reps and make them as efficient as possible because we do everything we can to get them to the point where they're playing a million miles an hour and they're not making mistakes in the reps where there's actually balls flying around and where there's actually full speed things going on. Kyle, let's, let's uh, shift the focus here a little bit. You guys were really good on third down in 2019, number three in the country and being good on third down is an important thing to win in football games. Talk to us about your approach to third down and what you feel are, I guess, some of the key things you do that were able to bring you to that point that you guys were, one of the tops in the country i mean like any like anybody else i mean we're going to break the third downs into the various distances and we're going to watch all the cut-ups and and we're going to do that but the thing that i think um allowed us to be so successful was our ability to game plan the third downs because like Corey had talked about in his and like i've alluded to a little bit we carry a base amount of stuff but then we are constantly we will install things throughout the year we'll put in new concepts and we'll carry new things throughout the year so it allows us because we have that base to install and you know as we go through and we watch the third downs yes we notice their tendencies and 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 all of that but what i've found just as a general philosophy is i 
we as an offense do not want to allow the defense to dictate to us what they are going to do. We want to dictate to the defense what we want them to do. And what I'm getting to is using a lot of bunches, stacks, and motions to get the defense into what we want them to be in. And it it showed a lot of rewards for us last year because for a lot of reasons. Number one, um, our receivers are playing really, really fast because they don't have people up in their grill nearly as much. Number two, our quarterback, his understanding of those things was through the roof. And it was because he was getting a lot more base and vanilla coverages. So we may not necessarily know exactly what they're going to do to it, but that's okay. Because when we get into some of those certain sets, we know that there's only so many ways that the defense can play us. Um, So that made the reads that much simpler for the quarterback. So the quarterback's playing faster, the receivers are playing faster, and the defense has to play more vanilla. So that was kind of where the general philosophy started with. Now, you know, I give Corey a lot of credit because he's very open to a lot of the stuff that we want to do in the passing game. But he really helps a lot when it comes to third down because, you know, in my mind, I'm a quarterback's guy, right? And I, I want to throw the ball all the time, right? And that's most quarterback's guys are like that. Well, he comes in with a – and I can think of one that happened in the last game of the year. He comes in with a totally fresh set of eyes, and he's like, hey, what about this? I'm like, wow, that's a really good idea. Let's do that, you know? So it allowed us to get more sets of eyes on it as well. Um, so – but you go back to what we were talking about from a uh, preparation perspective, those new concepts and those game plan concepts, those are things that are getting hit in a group period. They're then getting hit in a concept versus coverage period. They're then getting hit in the skelly period, and then they're getting hit in a team period. And so those kids are getting a ton of reps of that so that the timing is as close to perfect as it can be. I mean, a lot of things there that you mentioned, I think, are a great approach. Getting that vanilla look, getting, I guess, maybe some of those expected looks, right? And and you mentioned using bunch, and, and I can think back to your junior year. We were in a ton of those formations because we knew there was going to be a limited amount of things that they would do in coverage against us. You know, we, we did it to run the ball. We did it to throw the ball. But, you know, primarily... We, we wanted to simplify what you guys uh, looked at. So I, I love that approach to it. And, you know, when you look at practicing it, right, I'm always interested in, in how many reps you get or how much time you get to practice those things. How much time do you guys spend uh, on, on third down in practice? So Tuesday is all base. It's all of our base alumni calls. Wednesday we get into it in the concept period and we get into it in the skelly period as well as our second team set our second we have two uh scout team periods on wednesday our first one is touch up and you know tighten up of the base game plan the second one um has red zone and third downs in it and then 
on Thursday, we moved the ball up and down the field for our, our team sets. So it has built-in third downs that, hey, I just ran, you know, inside zone, but now I got to make the transition and throw a third and nine concept to, to get the first down. And the entire Skelly period on Thursday is all third downs. But where it goes even further would be how our quarterbacks watch the film. Because on Wednesday night after that, they have, you know, they have a, a list of things that are in my office. And if they choose to come in and watch it, great, because we can't break the 20-hour rule. But like I said before, they're football junkies. All they want to do is more football. So they come in and they watch a lot of the, uh, the third down stuff with the specific things that we are looking to do. Um, and, and the other part of it that has really helped us on third down is we put together a cut up for them of a lot of the third down coverages, but the cut up is trimmed. So they get a second and a half before the ball is snapped. And then they get just under a second after the ball is snapped. And then the film stops and it shuts off. And so they have to be able to identify, okay, I have this concept going on and they just did this. I have to know where I'm going with the ball in, or at least what side I'm playing based on that short amount of film. You know, the other thing we, we did – when you were a quarterback, we gave you a lot of responsibility in really the protection and the run game because you would ID, um, you know, the, the mic and who was going to be in the in the sort and you know who we were running off of, uh, you know, pointing out the mic in the run game. How much of that do you allow your quarterbacks to do? Well, <laughs> the protection conversation—that's one for Corey. We're we've been we've been blessed that we've had some pretty good offensive linemen here. Our, our center who actually just graduated uh, just took a GA job at Eastern Illinois. And he was, he was a nut. He's a unique human being and there's only one of him. So, um, but from a protection standpoint, our quarterbacks don't have much to do with it because of how we protect. And I guess I'll leave it at that. But from a run game perspective, you know, we do a little bit in terms of, running at the three, running at the shade, and that kind of stuff. But so much of our run game is predicated on support and how the defense is going to try to gain that extra hat. Um, because what we've noticed over the years is the offensive line can do a great job and the safety can still hit you for minus one. So, But the offensive line, it's very difficult for them to see all the different things that are happening in a support structure of a defense. So our quarterback, his run checks are primarily to handle support um, and, and, and get ourselves running away from support a lot of the times. Makes sense. Well, well Kyle, last question for you. And, and I'll say, Kyle, you're, you're one of a kind as well. <laughs> but last question for you is when you look at all the things you do, you, we certainly know you've learned the game. You understand the technical side of it. You understand the scheme side. You understand the strategy side. But of everything you do as a coach, what is really that one thing that gives your players the winning edge? 
Oh boy. Honestly love. There's if you talk to our players, I would hope that they would understand that there is a genuine care and a love for them. Um it, it's a powerful thing. Um, you know, a lot of people have said it. It's a powerful thing and it takes a takes a lot of courage to look another man in the eye and say, I love you. Um, but when people know that you care about them on that level and you care about them as a person, even more than a football player, um, you can get so much more out of yourself. You can get so much more out of, out of other people because of that relationship. Um, and, and that's, in my opinion, that's the thing that, that I try to do on a daily basis to allow our kids to be successful, because if they know that we truly care about them, then you're going to, the, the rewards that you're going to get out of that are going to be amazing. I mean, you know, I had a conversation with one of our former quarterbacks the other day, kid that actually just took a job working for Northrop Grumman. And, uh, he called me and, uh, we were just, we were just talking, you know, this, that, and the other, but he, at the end of the conversation said, you know, coach, thank you for, for so, so much. And, you know, those are the things that, that I really cherish as a coach more than the wins and losses, but when you build those relationships, that's what allows the kids to be that much more successful. Coach Wardzanski, before we go, I want to make sure you share your recruiting information, the areas you recruit. What are those for you? So I recruit the greater Detroit area. I recruit Toledo. I recruit the southwest side of Florida and quarterbacks across the country. I will go anywhere to find a quarterback. The southwest side of Florida was my favorite part to recruit, Kyle. I, I got to admit that. I love it down there, man. We uh, we <laughs> we got a couple kids, couple kids there this past class, and I'm looking forward to get getting back down there. And Coach Wardzanski has a course on CoachTube. I'm looking at it right in front of me. It's called Game Week QB Prep. Actually, details a lot of the things we talked about here. Has some film to illustrate, etc. Did an excellent job on that. Kyle, what's your Twitter handle? At Kyle Ordzanski. All one word. Coach Ski, it's always great to catch up with you. I, I can say I'm proud of everything you're doing. It's been fun to watch you grow in this profession. And, and I know in terms of where you're at, you're, you're really young in this profession. So I, I, I know there's uh, going to be bigger things for you down the line. Keep it up. Keep up the hard work. And best of luck to you and the Oilers in 2020. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Coaches, again, want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Check it out. All of our, our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks 
at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week. 